How deep the Father's love is for us. What a great statement. And what a great reminder that we need in today's culture, in today's world. We need to know, we need to be absolutely confident of, encouraged by, lifted up by the fact that our God loves us no matter what. No matter how tough today might seem and no matter how uncertain tomorrow might be, God's love never fails. When you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we get a picture of what Jesus said about love. God's definition of love is one that never fails. And isn't it encouraging today for us to be reminded that God's love for us is so deep, so powerful, so overwhelming, that no matter what you might be going through today, no matter what you might be going through tomorrow, God is going to give you everything that you need. Today, that's what we worship. That's what we celebrate. That's what we rejoice in. And so I want to just encourage you in these days, not only on a Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, throughout the rest of the week, to continue to trust the promises of God. That's why here at Thomas Road that we are, every single day, we are putting up devotionals every morning at 9 o'clock on our Facebook page of our team, our staff coming together to uh, worship together and to celebrate the truth of God's Word, to be reminded in these present days of what God's Word says. And so I encourage you to connect with our Facebook page. I can encourage you to, uh, to, to have conversations on there, to connect in community because we can't connect in person for right now. And so I encourage you to do that. And I also encourage you to continue to be faithful. Be faithful in giving to your local church, whatever church that is, because I know there are people watching the service right now that are not part of Thomas Road. And you might be going to a different local church or another church somewhere around the world. And I want to encourage you, be faithful in giving. Right now, more than ever, you need to connect with, be faithful in your tithes, your offerings, and your giving to help the church of Jesus Christ to continue to be the light that is set on a hill, the light that continues to preach truth in a world that is so full of darkness. And so I want to encourage you to do that. And I also want to make sure that as we move through this Holy Week, that we as a church, and not just Thomas Road, but the Church of Jesus Christ, that we walk through this week recognizing the meaningful, the, the powerful statement that comes from the empty tomb. And so I want to encourage you to go to our website at trbc.org Easter. And we have a devotional there that you can download, that you can walk through with your family, uh, with, with those that uh, are important to you. And every day we're walking through this Holy Week, through Passion Week, leading up to the day that changed everything, the day that Jesus rose from the grave. And then next Sunday on Easter Sunday, yes, it's going to look different. It's going to feel different. It is going to be different but even though we cannot be together in the same room, listen, don't ever forget the tomb is still empty. Jesus is still alive. He is still at the right hand of the Father. And today we can celebrate, and next Sunday on Easter we will celebrate our risen Lord. And we will actually have the opportunity uh, that we're going to be together observing communion next Sunday. And you'll be doing that in your home. I'll be doing that here. We'll be doing that all around uh, this community, around the nation, around the world. And so, again, at our website at trbc.org Easter, uh, you can find out what information that you need so that next Sunday on Easter Sunday, even though we can't be in the same room together, that we can still, as the Bible very clearly tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
And so uh, I encourage you to do that. Now I want you to turn in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 27. And we're going to pray before we jump into God's Word. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the hope that we have in you. God, today we need hope. We need encouragement. We need comfort. We need to, to know that you are there. And so, God, I thank you that through your Word, Lord, through your presence, through your power in our lives, through the Holy Spirit's presence, God, we, we know without a shadow of a doubt, without a question, God, that you are still in control. God, that you still hold us in your hands, that you hold the whole world in your hands. And so, God, we pray. Lord, you would continue to give us what we need day by day. God, I pray for those who uh, are sick by this virus, this disease. I pray for those that are sick by many other different situations, cancer and uh, heart issues, all of the different things that uh, this, this human body that we have, that we suffer with. God, I pray that you would encourage them. Lord, that you would bring healing, restoration. God, I pray that you would be with the families that have been impacted by this virus. God, I pray for our health professionals. God, for our doctors, our nurses, our EMTs and paramedics and so many others that are on the front lines doing an amazing job of ministering to people who are hurting. God, I pray that you would just give them strength, protect them. Lord, keep them healthy as they continue to work to keep us healthy. God, for our leaders. Lord, for uh, our mayor and our city council, our, our city manager. God, for our governor, for our president, vice president, those in Congress, God, who are making important decisions that are guiding us day by day. God, I pray that you would give them wisdom that goes beyond their human ability. God, I pray that you would help them to make the decisions that are needed, to, uh, Lord, that would help us as a country, as a, as a world, God, to, uh, to come through this and to come through this victorious. God, we'll give you the praise. But God, right now, as we open your word, Lord, speak to us, encourage us. God, I pray that you would allow your word to resonate in our hearts today. And if someone is watching this service right now, Lord, needing hope, needing to know that you are who you say you are. God, that Jesus did what he said that he did. God, I pray that today, if they've never trusted you as Lord and Savior, Father, I pray today that you would help them to make the decision in this time together. Lord, that they would believe that Jesus died and believe that he rose again, to believe that he paid for their sins on the cross, to believe that he's the only one who can save them from their sin, and that they would trust him today. Lord, and have that promise, that hope, of heaven. And God, for that, we'll give you the praise. We'll give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, on this Palm Sunday, it's a day that we celebrate the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem. We know the story. If you go to, uh, to Matthew chapter 21 or Mark chapter 11, Luke chapter 19, John chapter 12, and all four gospels, this uh, event is recorded. This event is, is recalled of where Jesus left the Mount of Olives and made his way into Jerusalem for that final week, that passion week, that holy week before he would go to the cross. And so today, as we come together, we do as they did back in those days when he made his way down that mountainside. It says that the Bible says that they put, took palm branches and laid them on the ground on the road where he was riding that colt from uh, one mountain over into the hill where Jerusalem was. And they, they cried these words, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Today, we, we cry that same cry. And today we celebrate why it is that Jesus walked over into Jerusalem, why it is that he made his way into that city for that final week of his life on this earth. He did so, so that he could bring the hope that we need. Now we have been walking through those famous last words of Jesus on the cross. Last week we talked about those words 
those words of forgiveness and hope and comfort. Today we continue in our conversation and we look at three more sayings that Jesus gave on the cross before he died. The words that we understand that, that underscore his pain, that talk about his humanity, but also focus on his purpose of why it is that he did what he did. And so I want to jump into God's Word. We're going to be bouncing around a little bit in the Gospels today. And so we're going to start in Matthew chapter 27. And then as we start in Matthew 27, we'll go over to John and then back to Luke today as we look at three statements, three statements that truly give us the understanding of why it is that Jesus did what he did, the purpose for his coming. And so first, let's look at this first statement out of Matthew chapter 27 that underscores his pain. The pain that Jesus experienced, and make sure you understand that that pain that he went through, he went through for you and me. He didn't do it because he wanted to. He didn't do it because he needed to for his own purposes. He didn't do it because it was just something he decided to do. Jesus did it because we desperately needed him to, because we were without hope. The Bible tells that we're all sinners and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And without that forgiveness of sins that comes through Christ and Christ alone, we have no hope whatsoever. And so Jesus went through these things for you and for me. And so this pain that we talk about as they led him away from Pilate and as they led him up the hill to Golgotha, as he carried that cross beam on his shoulders, as he collapsed underneath the weight as they beat him, as they mocked him, as they placed that crown of thorns into his head, as they did all of these things to put down, to denigrate this man, this man who came to bring hope. All of this he went through for you and me. And so Matthew chapter 27, I want to read verse 45 and and then again verse 46. It says, Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour there was darkness all over the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, uh, Ali, Ali, lama sabachthani. And that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, it's important to understand that Jesus was hanging on this cross in agony. The Bible tells us here from the sixth hour, which is about noon, all the way up to the ninth hour, which is three o'clock, in that place that, that the sky grew dark and a supernatural occurrence that everything went black, everything went dark. And you can imagine those that were gathered around the presence of the cross there in that that place as they they gazed at Jesus who was hanging on the cross. They had to be confused. They had to wonder what was going on here now, that this fact that that, that all of a sudden at 1158, the sun is shining, and 1159, things are good, but when high noon hits, darkness fell. That in that moment... And those hours leading up to the moment that he breathed his last, as the scriptures tell us, those people had to wonder, what's going on here? Why is this happening? What's the difference now that's taking place? Why is it that the sky is dark? And could it be, could it be that this man is exactly who he said he is? And all along, Jesus was gasping for breath hanging on that cross as he pushed against his feet to try to lift his body, to to bring air into his lungs. Because remember now, and I think all of us understand this, we know this, that Jesus was fully man, he was fully God, and so he experienced the pain that you and I would have felt had we been hanging on that cross. You know, last week we talked about the thief that hung on the right and on the left of Jesus. They were all going through the same exact pain, 
Two humans, one God-man, but yet feeling the exact same pain. Jesus went through that for you and me. And then in the moments before he died, Jesus cried out that statement, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God, my Father, why have you walked away from me? You see, Jesus cried out to his Father because now in that moment, he truly experienced the great pain of our sin. In that moment, Jesus experienced the pain that you and I deserve. He experienced that hopelessness that comes without Christ, that hopelessness that comes without salvation, that hopelessness that comes without the promise of a real place called heaven. In fact, we know that God is three three in one, the Trinity. We know God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we go back to Genesis when it says that God created the heavens and the earth, that Jesus was obviously in that, part of that, that, that Jesus is creator. And so in that moment when the sky went dark, in that moment when, when everything changed, when, when everyone was confused, not knowing what in the world was happening, it was the idea that it was creation's awareness of its creator's death. What an amazing statement. What an amazing thought. So when Jesus spoke those words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's, a, it's hearkening back to what we read when David wrote in Psalm chapter 22, verse 1. In Psalm 22, 1, David wrote these words, the exact words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Now think about that. Jesus, the Son of God, was actually crying out, God, why have you walked away? God, why have you turned your back on me? God, why have you left me here in my pain? God, why have you allowed me to experience this? And the answer, just simply, is it's because Jesus took upon himself what we should have gone through. You see, every single one of us deserve to hang on that cross. Every single one of us deserve to be separated from God. We deserve to be that person that God has turned his back on because of our sin. The Bible tells us that all of us are sinners. The Bible tells us that because of one man, sin entered into the world. And because of that, and that one sin, that then death entered into the world. We deserve separation from God. And Jesus took that, that pain. He took that punishment. He took that penalty upon his own back. And then in those moments before he breathed his last, God, why have you forsaken me? I want you to think about those words in the context as if you were hanging on that cross. What would be the words that would roll off your lips? Can you imagine what it must have felt like? The God that we love, the God that we together were just singing about, the God that we worship, that we read his word, that we celebrate, that we talk to through prayer. And imagine if we actually had to come to the place in our lives, in the moments before death, where we recognize, and Jesus recognized this, where we recognize that God had turned his back on us. Can you imagine the hopelessness then? Can you imagine the sorrow, the pain? But you see, Jesus wouldn't let us go through that. Jesus took our pain upon his back so that we would not have to. What a powerful truth. Jesus himself had questioned this, this path that he was on. If you go back uh, into the Gospels in John chapter 12, we read where Jesus in a prayer, he actually said these words in verse 27, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. 
But then he goes on to say this, but for this purpose, I came to this hour. Even though Jesus went through unimaginable pain, even though he suffered in a way that we can't even comprehend, Jesus still recognized and understood, I came here to do this. I came here for this reason, and I came here to do it for you. Are you encouraged by that truth? of knowing that Jesus paid the price that you should have paid, that I should have paid. That was the purpose of his pain. But we also see, if we turn over a few chapters into John chapter 19, a couple of books over into John chapter 19, uh, we also see that not only did we recognize from the words of the cross his pain, but we recognize the words from the cross of his humanity. Look what it says in John chapter 19, verse 28. It says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled. He said these words, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there and they filled a sponge with sour wine and they put it on hyssop and they put it to his mouth. Now understand this, the deity of Christ was never in question, but it does underscore the hyper, hypostatic union. Now the hypostatic union is a, a theological term, a theological explanation of the, the molding together of both God and man of Jesus, the Son of God, and Jesus, who was fully man, of coming together. So we're not questioning the deity of Christ here, but we are focusing on, in these statements, this words, these words, the humanity of Christ. Now, his statement here, just like it was a moment ago, is a reflection going back to Psalm chapter 69. In Psalm 69, verse 21, it says, They also gave me gall for my food, and listen to these words, and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, if I'm ever in a situation where I'm really thirsty, where maybe I've been out on a walk or a hike, and, and I, I just feel like I'm dehydrated and I want to be refreshed and I want to get something to drink, I can guarantee you I'm never going to go into our pantry and pull out a bottle of vinegar and take a sip of it and feel like I am all better now. That's not something we would do because it doesn't make sense. But yet when Jesus spoke those words and he said, I thirst, they gave him a sponge filled with sour wine. Now, sour wine was a, an ideal. It was an idea that what they did back in those days, that they had wine, a cheap wine, a very low-level, low-quality wine there uh, whenever they executed prisoners. And it was customary for uh, when the prisoner was brought and about to be executed that they would give him a little bit of wine. And they would give that to him for refreshment. They would give that to him to maybe deaden some of the pain of what he was about to experience. But the soldiers there, they, they played a trick on Jesus even in these last moments because it says they gave him sour wine. In other words, it was cheap, sour wine mixed with vinegar. And they lifted it up to his lips. Now we, of course, all have the image of Jesus hanging on the cross, that he was really high and, and that, that he was way up, way above the people. But that's really probably not what took place. In fact, Jesus could have been uh, just barely off the ground. The cross could be maybe just a few inches, his feet just a few inches from the ground. Because he didn't need to be high in order to experience death from the cross. All that needed to happen is that he needed to, uh, to have the, the lack of the ability to continue to breathe. And so as he was hanging on that cross, as the soldiers dipped that sponge in that sour wine, that vinegar wine, and then placed it on his lips, it underscores the humanity of Christ. That Jesus truly took on 
all of the attributes that you and I experience. And so when we had this concept, this idea that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he's the son of God, so therefore it must not have been that bad. He must not have experienced the things that we experience in pain. He certainly couldn't have bled like we would have bled. He couldn't have had uh, sorrow and, 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 and felt that suffering like we would because he's God. But yet it, it, it does very clearly point to that idea that Jesus was 100% God and Jesus was 100% man. And so as he hung on that cross and he cried out, I thirst. For us, it's an encouragement because what it tells us is that Jesus truly took on all of the pain, all of the suffering, all of the sorrow, all of the temptation, as Scripture tells us, of everything that you and I go through, that Jesus understands it because Jesus went through it. That Jesus left the splendor of heaven, the glory of the presence of the Father, and he came to this earth for the purpose of going through all of this for us. Which brings us to another statement that he made. And if we flip over in our passage today, back to Luke chapter uh, 23. In Luke chapter 23, we see this passage in verse 45. And it says this, Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now, there are a couple of important statements that are found in this passage. The first, of course, it, it once again reminds us that the sky went black in that supernatural occurrence where it wasn't an eclipse. It wasn't like the clouds came in front of the sun. It literally was darkness. And what that tells us is this, is that when we recognize that the light of the world is absent, that there can be no light. When Jesus was dead, there can be no light in the world, but also for you and me, it also tells us this, that when there's no light of the world, when there's no Jesus in our hearts, that there's also no hope. And so Jesus in the statement, the sun was darkened. It says the veil of the temple was ripped in two. Uh, again, once again, giving us the picture that never again would we have to go through a conduit to talk to Jesus. That from that point forward, that, that our opportunity to run directly to God now was, was there and guaranteed forever. Never again would we have to go through someone else. Never again would we have to have a, an advocate that would represent us to the Father that now we can boldly go to the throne of Christ. Boldly go to the throne of grace. And when that veil was ripped in the temple separating the Holy of Holies from the people, a place where only the high priest could go on one day a year on the Day of Atonement, that in that moment that veil was torn apart so that then the presence of God, which was the Holy of Holies at that point, that the presence of God now, that it together was something we could experience on our own. And then Jesus spoke these words, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. What a powerful statement. What a powerful thought that Jesus clearly gives us the picture of the promise of his death. That even in death, God still has us in his hand. Even when we are feeling great pain, God still has us firmly in his grip. Even when we don't know what tomorrow holds, that God is in control. Jesus, through these words, into your hands I commit my spirit. In death, he breathed his last. It tells us that he literally gave us the picture that even when we come to the place in our lives where there is nothing left, that we still put ourselves into the hands of God. What a great truth. You see, Christ's purpose was that of salvation. His purpose was he came to give us what we could never earn on our own. He came to give us hope 
in the midst of our hopelessness. He came to give us light in the midst of our darkness. He came to give us a future, to give us heaven in the midst of the certainty of hell. That's why Jesus came. And while he did many great things as he walked on this earth, he said many great things that give us doctrine. He, he healed many that, that gives us the picture of service. He gave us a great example of how to serve others. He certainly gave us a great teaching to help us understand his word. But make sure that you understand this great truth, that the purpose of Jesus came, it was to bring salvation to mankind. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But then John 3.17, the very next verse, it says these words, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That the world through him might be saved. Friends, we live in a world today where people are constantly trying to figure out how to find salvation. People are constantly trying to figure it out on their own. They're reading self-help books. They're going to seminars. They're, they're trying to feel good about themselves. They're trying to be encouraged by thinking, man, I can do this. I can make it on my own. And yet God's word clearly tells us, and don't you dare miss this. Christ came not to condemn us. Christ came to save us and that we understand and recognize that the world through him and him alone can find salvation. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Now, my friend, right now, where you're watching this, wherever you are, if you're sitting at home, if you're sitting in your family room, if you're driving down the, the road in your car, listening on the radio, I want you to understand and know this. God loves you, and Christ died for you. He took your sins upon his back and he was nailed to the cross along with your sins. He did that in substitution for us. He paid the price for us. And he did so so that we could have communion with God, that we could have reconciliation with God, that we would recognize that we have salvation through Christ and Christ alone. And next Sunday, we're going to celebrate the fact that he gave us victory over our sin. But today, if you don't know Christ, believe that he is God's son, believe that he died and that he rose again, and believe without any question, without any doubt, that Jesus and Jesus alone is the salvation that you need and trust him today. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for joining us here today. You know, at Thomas Road Baptist Church, since our very beginning, back in 1956, we've been about one thing and one thing only, and that is to bring the message of hope that comes through Jesus Christ to the world. And today, my friends, we recognize we live in a world that's messed up. We live in a world that's full of division and conflict and pain and sorrow. But Jesus came to this world not to bring division and sorrow, but to bring joy, to bring peace, to bring hope. And today, that's the message that we want to share with you. And if you're watching this and you've never had the opportunity of, of connecting with him at that level, of understanding what it is that Jesus came to do, then I encourage you and I want to let you know the greatest news you'll ever hear. And that's this, God loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. In fact, he gave his only son, Jesus, to come to this earth to die on the cross, to pay for your sins and for my sins, to do for us what we never could do for ourselves. What an amazing gift that really is. God loves you. Christ died for you. 
But three days later, he rose again. And when he came out of that grave, he gives us victory over sin, over Satan, over the grave. He gives us the hope for eternity. But according to God's word, it's very clear. What we must do is believe. We must believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We must believe that He died and that He rose again. And if we do that, according to Romans 10, 13, anyone, that means you, it means me, it means every person that has ever lived, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I encourage you today to recognize that hope that comes through Jesus. And if you've never trusted Him as your Lord and Savior, do so today, believing that He is who He said He is, that He did what He said that He did, calling on his name and it'll change everything. That is the message that we share. It's a message that we want to take to the entire world. And today I would encourage you to connect with us, maybe even financially through a gift that you can help us to take this message around the world. I encourage you today to stand with us as we stand with truth, as we stand with hope to let the world know God loves.